Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Wilmington Bulletin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Williams. Today we have a special guest with us who will be joining us a little bit later on the podcast. But first, I wanted to touch quickly on the last city council meeting. Uh, that was last Thursday, the 2nd. Um, I, I had a, a podcast and a quick blog post explaining the municipal income tax and, and a quick programming note here. That is what I will be calling it uh, from now on. I have previously called it an earnings tax uh, in part because that's what it's commonly called by people in Wilmington to differentiate the type of taxes that can be collected through it. Uh, it is slightly different than, say, a state or federal income tax. However, it is called uh, by the Ohio Revised Code, by the state of Ohio, um, as a municipal income tax. It, so that's that's what it's called. That's what I'm going to be calling it from now on. Uh, if you want more information on that, see my last blog post on the tax increase. I just had a quick little explainer uh, about the tax. So. Back to last week's council meeting, uh, it was definitely a struggle. Council seemed fairly unorganized and confused. I was glad to see Councilman Lonnie Stockert uh, kind of jump on board because, uh, jump on board as far as, as voting for the tax increase to be on the ballot. And I think a big part of that for Mr. Stockert was that he, um, he was able to get some assurance from some of his fellow council members that they were going to address some of the issues and not necessarily that they would make big sweeping changes without hearing all of the information, but certainly that the issues that he were he was bringing up uh, were, were issues that they were also concerned about. And um, obviously the, what, what he was bringing forth would not cover the entire budget shortfall However, it is something um, that if, if, if council can bring more members kind of on board and working towards a common goal, um, hopefully that's something that we can continue to see in the future. So I, I was glad to see that uh, Lonnie's voice was really heard and, and um, that, that hopefully it's a step in, in the right direction for council to be finding some more common ground um, to, to move forward and some more compromise. So the ordinance that was written, uh, that's the ordinance that would go into effect if the, if the uh, resolution, if the tax initiative in the fall was was voted upon and, and voted in, in positive. So that is the citizens of Wilmington decided to vote for the tax increase. This would be the ordinance that would go into effect. Uh, it didn't actually get to council until about 3.30 from what I understand. Uh, that's according to uh, multiple sources um, in the city building. So that was a little bit disappointing so council did not have a chance to read over it um, but this is uh, you know having only having only four hours and some of them less um, so this caused some confusion for sure and questions that hopefully would have been answered before council were then brought up into council and, and it really really looked like like everything was disorganized but I trust that that will be cleared up 
by the next meeting, uh, all of those. And I think that, that it's simply a matter of some misunderstanding from, from what I could tell. So hopefully when we look at what's going on, um, city council will continue to move forward and can avoid more delays. So next I'm gonna uh, get to the interview with um, my guest. So my guest is Mark Rembert. He is the former executive director at the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce and is currently working for Energized Clinton County uh, while also working on his economics PhD at Ohio State. So he's done a lot of work with local economics, in many ways becoming the local economics guru um, for the CIC and for city council. Uh, Mark founded several years ago, Energized Clinton County um, with Taylor Stuckert, and they've been doing a lot of work. And so Mark, uh, Mark's kind of getting back to doing a lot more of that work, specifically working on the Pioneer Labs makerspace, um, which you can read more about uh, at the Energized Clinton County website. So I am going to go ahead and get to my interview with Mark Rembert. So I've got Mark Rembert with me here today. Uh, we're ready to talk about some of the economic data from Clinton County and Wilmington. So Mark, what was it that got you into looking at all of these data and, and about, about when did that start? Oh man, I think I've been interested in data for a long time, maybe since uh, I guess college when I decided to be an econ major. I think that was my first, at first I was really interested in baseball data. And then that spawned into many, many different diverse data interests. Um, but recently, you know, I've been in grad school uh, working on a PhD in applied econ. And so I spend a lot of my time looking at data and, um, and a lot of time looking at different data sources. And so as I do that, um, as I, as I sort of look at different data sets for my research, I always pull the data that I can out of those sources for Wilmington and Clinton County um, because they're, they're often really interesting insights. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, I've just accumulated a lot of different interesting data points that I've sort of discovered through my research um, that I think help to tell a pretty interesting story about um, what is happening. Uh, which I think is important. I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the use of data and informed decision making. And so, um, you know, really understanding what's happening is, is really critical before we make decisions. And I think data can help us help us uh, get to that deeper level of understanding. So kind of to that point, um, you recently gave a presentation, I believe, to the CIC and then that same or a very similar presentation to city council. So in that presentation, which I'll be posting on the Wilmington Bulletin website, um, for those that haven't seen it, what were some of the things in that presentation that really uh, stuck out to you in that data that you looked at? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'll start from the beginning um, for those listeners. Of course, it's not very it's not very exciting podcast to hear people describe 
charts and graphs, which is a little bit of what we're going to be doing today, although I'll add some color to them, hopefully. But for those who are really passionate about the subject, of course, as you mentioned, they can download the slides and uh, and follow along if they, they like. I'll, I'll definitely reference what slide I'm looking at at any given moment as, as we talk about uh, this data. So, um, you know, the first, the first thing I always like to do is take sort of as broad a historical perspective as possible. Um, so the first slide in the presentation, which I think is actually slide four, sort of it shows Clinton County employment going back to 1969 through 2014. So this gives us a really long picture of what, how the economy in Clinton County has evolved over time. And so, um, you know, it is, it's, it for, the first thing that jumps out at me is really just how dramatic the, uh, the first the growth of ABX Air and then DHL, how dramatic that growth really was. Um, you see that, I mean, it completely took us off our previous growth trajectory. And, and put us on a new growth trajectory, which, which is very clear in the data. Um, but it also shows how dramatic the uh, crisis has, was. I mean, really what took uh, 20 years to, to build up was lost in almost a year. Um, and you know, something that I, I, I remind people often, which I think we take for granted, is that Clinton County actually uh, was, I think, it's probably fair to say the most, the, the, the hardest hit county in the entire country during the recession. Um, between 2008 and 2010, Clinton County lost a larger share of its employment than any county in the country with more than 20,000 people. Uh, so, you know, it's easy to forget how devastating that was to our local economy and that not, it's devastating on sort of national proportions. Um, and so it's it's going to take us time to recover that. I think as we as we think about the struggles that we we still face as our community as a community, we should do so. Um, you know, recognizing just how difficult this has been and what a what a serious challenge we've faced. Um, you know, one of the things that that sort of shocked me and that I found a little harrowing was that if you kind of look at the growth trajectory of the community. Uh, up until the mid 80s, which is the point at which ABX Air really started to scale up its operation at the air park. If you kind of look at what the economy was doing before that, it was growing at a very sort of moderate, consistent upward pace. And so if we, if we sort of created an alternative history and we just extended out the growth that was happening prior to ABX Air, we just extended it out into the future to 2014, um, we see that today we are actually at a lower point than we would have been if we had just continued to grow at that, that sort of slow but consistent rate over time. Um, and of course, there's nothing to say that we would have maintained that rate in the long run, but it is again put into context uh, how, uh, you know, what a challenging period we, we're, we've been going through um, when we see that, you know, we're, we're in some ways, um, you know, worse off than we were in, you know, the early 80s. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think that that, like you said, it's it's all over the data that that, uh, that sort of falling off of a cliff, um, it's not an exact cliff, but it's probably as close as you see if you graph this out for a lot of communities. And it is, it was concerning, and I think that it was interesting to see 
uh, for myself being at the council meeting and, and looking at council, a lot of those people know a lot of this information, but for them, I, I still think it was a little bit shocking. Um, and I'll just add one more thought on this real quick, um, because I don't want to just imply that we're worse off or that like it would have been better if AVX or DHL hadn't been here. I, I don't think the, da- the, the data says that. Um, because if you think about sort of at the basic level, what makes growth possible in a region. At its most simple level, there are sort of two inputs, capital and labor. And so what happened during that period of growth with ABX and DHL was that within our region, a very unique and valuable capital asset was developed, which is the air park. And so um, that asset then helps to sort of determine what the growth rate of our region is. And so there's good reason to think that we will end up on a much more rapid growth rate in the future than we had in the past because of that, uh, that sort of development of capital that took place during that time, which we've inherited and you know, are now maintaining today. Right. And obviously, I think for a lot of people, they've, they've heard about things that are going on in the air park or perspective things. I think Amazon has become a a popular thing to talk about around the community uh, as to what's going to happen with that. I, I think for most people, it's still a mystery. Um, but that type of uh, discussion wouldn't really be possible without all of all of what's happened. Yeah. So one of the other uh, points that, that you made and, and things that you talked about that I found really fascinating was the uh, inflow and outflow and the commuting patterns of people in both Wilmington and Clinton County. So tell us a little bit about what you have seen there. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, they're, they're commuting helps us understand the economy in a couple of ways. I mean, first, it helps us see our linkages um, to a broader region beyond just Clinton County, even though that's usually what we think about, that's usually the data that we look at, um, you know, we're actually part of a much broader region. And so, uh, you know, in 2014, more than 11,000 Clinton County residents commuted out of the county for work, um, which is not an insignificant number at all. Um, In fact, between uh, 2007 and 2014, the number of commuters has increased, and that's a good sign. Um, that suggests that people who lost jobs during the recession locally were able to find work elsewhere. And, and so maybe now commute out of the community where in the past they worked here. Um, but that's the kind of adjustment that we would hope to see during a recession. Um, You know, I think when you look at the patterns uh, sort of for the county, the commuting patterns, uh, a lot, there are a lot of people that commute to the Cincinnati region. Um, You know, we see up and down the I-71 corridor, a lot of Clinton County residents commuting to work. Um, So, you know, when we think about what is our region, what, what, who are we tied to? Who is our economic future tied to? It's probably more Cincinnati. I think we're often grouped with Dayton in terms of like our economic development region. The state considers Clinton County part of the Dayton region. But um, but for practical purposes, the commuting pattern suggests that we're actually much more part of the Cincinnati region. 
Um, within the within the county, about a third of Clinton County residents that work in the county work in the city of Wilmington. So clearly, the city is the sort of main employment hub for the county, which shouldn't be a surprise. Um, that that there are about. 2,200 Clinton County residents that work in the city of Wilmington. Um, and, and so, you know, I think when we consider policy, especially um, policy that impacts the entire county, I think very often it seems that only the city government focuses on city issues and the county government focuses on issues outside of the city. But in reality, the city is the economic, the government, the shopping hub for the entire county. And so it plays a really critical role. And I think the data, the community data helps to show that. 55% um, of all employment in the county is located in the city of Wilmington. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, without the city, we would be a much less prosperous place. We would be a, uh, there would be much less employment. Um, and so we, you know, I think part of, part of, my reason for, for drawing this out is to contribute to the question of how does the city maintain its infrastructure? Um, you know, again, I think the conversation usually comes down to the city's infrastructure is the responsibility of the city residents, but really the city's infrastructure serves the entire county in many ways. And so, um, you know, I think we should probably be having a broader conversation about uh, what does, you know, how, how, how are these, how, how is infrastructure, how are public goods that are shared by many people, not just the people that live in the city, how are they paid for? Um, right. And making sure that, uh, you know, we have as many people paying for the, the, the public goods as utilize them and gain value from them. Yeah, so it seems like we could probably uh, hope for some more conversation, maybe some more collaboration between uh, the county and the city as we move forward. And, and I think that we see that uh, it, it somewhat with um, with the issue of the fact that the city has a huge budget shortfall and the, seeing the county at the same time being able to look at rolling back a 0.5% sales tax as the city is looking to add a 0.5% income tax. So you see one entity doing a little bit uh, well, probably much better than another entity. And, and that's not necessarily because of um, poor decision-making by the city or, or something incredible that the county has done to get all this money. But it does look at, you know, the, the city does spend so much on infrastructure that is used by a really broad range of people um, throughout the county. It, it is kind of interesting to think about all of the all the businesses and the restaurants and the things that are throughout the county but so centered in on on the city of Wilmington yeah and you see in a lot of places regional governance becoming more popular the idea that there's a much closer alignment between these these government entities that overlap in jurisdiction so you know one of the famous examples is Louisville in which the city and the county merged into one regional government Okay. Um, you know, because again, they recognize that they're, you know, that both needed to be involved in 
the success of the region and having two governments, two taxes, all these things was making it way more complicated. And so there were, you know, economies of scale and advantages to coordinating, um, you know, the most the optimal infrastructure investments by having one government as opposed to, to multiple governments. So not saying that we should necessarily do that, but I do think that, uh, you know, the, the, some of the, the fiscal challenges in the city have definitely brought to the surface this, this important recognition that the, you know, the infrastructure that the city has to maintain is critical for everybody. And, um, and we probably, and, you know, and we need to have that, we need to recognize that and have a conversation around that. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And I was just checking because I knew that one thing that I've, I've talked with some other people about before is the amount of um, townships that we have in, in the city and, and so, or in that county. Uh, and, and there are several townships, all of which have three trustees. We have the three commissioners. And then in all of these cities, we have uh, different city council members. And so often they're they're not necessarily working together towards the betterment of the area, um, but we do see partnerships with you know with the city of Wilmington and, and other townships on fire and, and police and things. Uh, well, I don't know if it's police, but it's always fire and things of that nature where there are some some opportunities for for kind of that shared infrastructure and, and making sure that uh, we're not duplicating efforts where they don't need to be duplicated. Water is an obvious one too. Right? Yeah. There are a lot of a lot of areas of the county that that need water and the city has more than enough water and so finding ways to maximize our our, our existing infrastructure by extending it and bringing in more users is is probably the most fiscally responsible strategy. So kind of switching gears a little bit but still talking about the presentation that you gave and, and one thing that you and I have talked about before and in part because uh, I know that you've done a little bit of research on on education and economics and I work in education um, is the the educational attainment of, of the city and the county and kind of where where we're at as far as that is concerned uh, I see in the data that educational attainment as far as those 25 years and older with a bachelor's degree or higher has gone up from uh, in 1970 in the state of Ohio, it looks like it was under 10%. And now in 2014, it is um, over 25%. And we're see, we see that it's about the same in the city of Wilmington, but it has gone up in the county. So what can that tell us about uh, where we're at as far as educational attainment and how can that affect the job market in Wilmington? Yeah, I mean, I think the educational attainment data is troubling. Um, it's something that really deserves attention. Uh, you know, I think when you look at where we were in 1970, uh, the city of Wilmington had a higher educational attainment rate than the state average and the U.S. average. Mm-hmm. which is amazing. So, you know, we were one of the most highly educated communities in the country in 1970. Uh, and today we're close to 
now we're, we're just under 20 percentage points below the national average. So as educational attainment rate, educational attainment has just increased dramatically across the country, it's actually been falling in the city of Wilmington since 1990. And while it's been growing in the county as a whole, it's not been growing at a pace equal to the state or the national average. So it can we continue to fall further and further behind. Um, and, you know, of course, that's a it's a puzzle because we have great educational resources, uh, you know, having a community college, having a liberal arts college. Uh, you know, I think everybody would assume that we would be having increasing educational attainment rates. So I'm always, you know, it's something that I like to share with people, if only to see their surprise, um, that it, it seems so counter to their expectations, um, which it is to me as well. And so that has a big cost. Uh, you know, I think when you look at, and this is something that I hear a lot, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, the, given the types of jobs or the types of employers that we have in, in, in Clinton County, you don't need to go to college in order to, to get a good job. And that might be true in some cases, but generally uh, there's a big difference in what people earn locally based on uh getting higher levels of education. So for example, in 2014, uh, a person with a bachelor's degree earned about $15,000 more than a person with either an associate's degree or just some college but no degree. That's a pretty significant, that's at the median. So 50% are higher and 50% are lower, but uh, that's a big, that's a significant difference in, uh, in what, in sort of the college, um, the, the, the sort of college education premium. Uh, you know, in the city of Wilmington, the median worker uh, that does not have a, uh, a bachelor's degree only earns $28,000 a year, uh, which is not a lot of money. In fact, it's only about $3,000 or $2,500 more than what the median worker makes who only has a high school degree. So, that translates into, you know, lower household income. Um, it translates into, you know, lower productivity. I think that if wages are, are a reflection of productivity, then, um, low, we, you know, we have a lower skilled workforce than we had even uh, in 2010. And looking especially, if you look at, uh, the wages for the median wages or median earnings for uh, people with less than a bachelor's degree, so a high school graduate uh, or someone with um, some college or associate's degree, wages for those groups have been falling, while wages for people with a bachelor's degree have been increasing. Um, so it's it's really it's it's a, it's a big challenge. It's something that we really need to take seriously because if not, I think we're going to just see continued. We're going to see household earnings, worker wages continue to decline over time. There's really no good economic theory or indication that wages for low-skilled workers are going to ever increase. Um, yeah, that's, that's certainly interesting. And, and I was wondering if, if there was any evidence that uh, when businesses are looking to locate here, do they do they look at educational attainment? Is there evidence that they do, or is that something that um, they're hoping by moving their business here, 
that then they, they then bring in some of those folks with um, a college degree? Uh, my guess would be that if firms are uh, if firms need high skilled workers, they are absolutely looking at this. There's no doubt they're looking at this. And if they need high skilled workers, they're probably not going to a place that doesn't have high skilled workers already. Um, you know, these are there. There, if there are firms out there, and that you know, these are kind of hypotheticals, but we're probably not even hearing from them because a lot of firms, especially if they're working through a site selector or something like that, are looking at all this data. I mean, this is all publicly available data. If that's important to you, then you've looked at this data, and you're probably going to say, "This isn't where I want to be." Um, you're going to be in an urban area where college attainment rates are much higher. All right. Yeah, and, and I think that there. There have been some efforts locally uh, that I think that um, have been partnerships, certainly between the Wilmington School District and Southern State and Wilmington College and then uh, the city of Wilmington and the Clinton County Regional Planning Commission. Wilmington Succeeds being being their, their big thing that they've been working on and, and trying to get people who graduate from Wilmington High School and then go to college uh, encouraging them to stay here and then and then encouraging all graduates of Wilmington College giving them some sort of incentive to stay around so we can really increase that skilled workforce and, and I think that that's something that it, it's backed up by the data that we really need to be thinking about in the future so uh, what are some of the uh, what are some of the positive trend trend lines you see in the data? Because I know that you talked about, you know, you, you, you went through this and kind of talked with city council about how there were a couple of things that, that maybe looked like they could be positive, not saying things have completely turned around and we're 100% going the right way up. Um, but it did seem, for example, like the total number, I think it was the total county employment looked like it was, uh, yeah, the Clinton County full and part-time employment in that first slide. It looked like the, the downward trend had at least um, had at least stopped and, and maybe was ticking up. Is that something that, that you've seen and, and you've talked maybe with some businesses about? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's no doubt that employment is, is growing, that firms are hiring. Uh, employment in March, of this year hit its highest point since 2009, so that's very positive. Um, if you look at the annual growth rate in 2015, uh, Clinton County employment grew at a faster rate than the state, uh, around 2%, uh, which isn't saying much given that the state didn't grow at all really, but, <laughs> but it is good when we're outperforming the state average. Um, so, so yeah, I think those are both positive signs. Similarly, uh, we're seeing uh, labor force participation increase, and that's a big issue. I think one of the, the challenges that we face is that a lot of people left the workforce during the recession, and getting them back into the workforce is going to be one of our, our, I think, most important efforts, and uh, we're seeing that happen. And, and that's a a complicated puzzle, uh, you know, I think participation is often driven by wages. And so I, I, you know, I've heard anecdotally from employers that they are starting to raise wages, recognizing that at their 
previous wage rate, they were not able to attract the workers they need and that they needed to adjust that in order to, to be successful. And so that's a really good sign, um, you know, both in terms of increasing participation, but also good for, for workers that they're going to earn a little bit more money. And um, but then I think there are also people there's there, there's there's a lot of research on the effects of long term unemployment. And, and one is that it, it becomes harder for people to reenter the workforce if they've been unemployed for a long period of time and and their skills actually degrade over time Mm -hmm. and so um so you know figuring out how to provide support or assistance to those people um who are interested in working but may um you know may struggle in different ways for for different reasons to get back into the workforce providing support and encouraging them to get back in it could could, could definitely help and that's great for the, for those people and it's great for employers who, who really need workers yeah okay so it looks like some of the some of the downward trending has has stopped but um, it's it's definitely going to be a community effort as far as figuring out how do we Im- improve a lot of this because the you know seeing that 35 percent almost so, so around a third of the Clinton County population aged 18 to 64 having left the workforce so not just unemployed but but deciding to take themselves out of the workforce um, is that because they they just got frustrated they had a certain set of skills that is you know currently not desired by by local employers so it's interesting to to take a look at that and figure out you know why are these people leaving the workforce um, and then how can we get them back in the workforce and and Certainly, I, I agree with the, the skill deficits. I think that you you see that over time, people do lose um, some of those skills, especially in the, in the medium to high-skilled jobs, and, and those are becoming so much more in demand in manufacturing uh, as we move forward. So what, are, there any, um, are there any employment industries that you see Growing in the next few years in Wilmington, any any trends that you that you see from that, or even just kind of what would be your even if it's just a guess. I mean, I think we we've seen that manufacturing has been very stable. It's not necessarily a growing industry in terms of sheer employment numbers, but it's an aging industry and it's a stable industry, which means that their demand for workers are, is still high because they're trying to fill the jobs of retiring workers. And that will, I think, continue for the next, you know, 10 years. So, um, uh, you know, transportation logistics is, you know, that dominated our economy for years. Um, After 2009, it dipped dipped down and became our second largest employment sector behind manufacturing, but it is definitely on the rise. And I think we will will continue to see that sector grow. It'll probably, my guess would be by the end of, um, maybe maybe even by the end of last year, because we don't have all the data from last year yet, we might find that by the end of 2015, transportation and warehousing has overtaken manufacturing. And if not last year, then I, I feel confident that'll probably happen this year. Okay, so we'll have to talk about that once we get more, uh, more of that data. Because it, it, one of the great things is that all of this data is publicly available, um, and I think that it's important 
for us to really keep an eye on it because I think in the past this this hasn't always been done in in our local area uh, at least on a on kind of a large scale so I'd be kind of curious to see um, and certainly after the presentation to city council they all seem very interested in it and I do hope that when they are having discussions about uh, future budget, you know, future initiatives that they may take, they're looking at this data and kind of saying, let's let's figure out, you know, where should we be putting our money? Where should we be putting this emphasis uh, in order to kind of make, you know, make Wilmington a, a, a strong and a good place to live and, and keep continuing to improve the city? Because I think that a lot of people that live here uh, really do love it, and, and a lot of people love Clinton County, um, but there are a, a lot of people who, who are struggling here. Mm-hmm. So in, is there anything uh, as far as, as public policy that you see being, um, being potentially influenced by, by these data? Um, good question. I mean, again, I think the workforce issues trying to get people back into the workforce, making sure that we have um, a young workforce that is ready for the jobs that are um, that are in high demand locally. Um, that's those are very important. Um, you know, making efforts to increase the educational attainment rate. And I think it's important when I say educational attainment and often I think I don't you know, Myself and others who talk about these issues, we don't necessarily do a good job distinguishing what we really mean. We talk about educational attainment or we talk about um, especially bachelor's degree and really we're using that as a proxy. So we're using that as a proxy for high-skilled workers because there are definitely other, there are people who who are extremely high-skilled but may not go to college and get a bachelor's degree, but we would expect for them to behave in similar ways as people with a bachelor's degree. So if, for instance, high-skilled workers tend not to live in our community, which we can see in terms of educational attainment, then we would expect that other high-skilled workers who may not have a degree also probably are choosing not to live in our community. And I think that's, um, you know, so that's important to to keep in mind that really we're not just talking about, uh, about educational attainment, we're talking about skill attainment uh, it's just that educational attainment is the best proxy that we have for skill um, to, to sort of measure uh, our, our sort of human capital stock at any given time. So that I think that's an important one. Um, you know, I think the fact, and I don't know exactly what like direct public policy would be taken from this, but at least in terms of policy concerns, the fact looking at the the change in the income distribution in the city. Um, you know, again, going back to the, the sort of the role of the city within the broader region, the city had to, has, has borne a much higher cost since the recession than the county has. Um, I think we see that there's been a much, uh, there's been a, a significant increase in the number of households earning less than $15,000 a year in the city of Wilmington, which is uh, very troubling considering what a household earning less than $15,000 a year, um, you know, that's 
at the, as an actual city council, that's extreme poverty. That is, um, there, those are people who are living in, in very uh, difficult conditions. And that, that has really risen dramatically in the city since 2009. Whereas if you look at the income distribution as the, for the county as a whole, you see much less change. In fact, you actually see increases at the high end of the income spectrum where you see decreases in that those groups within the city. So, um, you know, the city has had to bear much more of the cost and, um, and you know, raising incomes in the city is going to be a really important focus uh, because we can't, you know, again, we're not going to, the city is not going to be able to maintain the infrastructure that it has to for the rest of the county if an increasing share of the, the city population is impoverished, um, which is what, which is what the trend has been, where, where the trend has been going in, in recent years. And so we need to be uh, at least aware of that and um, integrate that awareness making process. Yeah, so I think that definitely speaks to the fact that we are at a, a critical juncture um, as far as the city of Wilmington and really the county as a whole, but but especially the city and where we go from here and, and you know what type of measures city council wants to take uh, to to start to um, start to really make an impact on on some of these data that we're seeing. So I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Mark, did you have anything to add? Nope. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Wilmington Bulletin podcast. We'll definitely be talking to Mark more in the near future. Um, thank you for listening. And like I said, uh, make sure to check out the information on the Pioneer Pioneer Labs Makerspace and all that's going on in that. I think that's going to be a really exciting project and and something that a lot of people in the city will be able to participate in and might be really interested by. So have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.